but you show him that, Fred. Um, why am I wearing a red jersey uh, when they're not playing in the Super Bowl? Uh, I'm washed in the blood. <laughs> this is my, actually, actually, this is my Isaiah 53 jersey. For, for, those, for those of you who, who need a clue, my name is not Isaiah. Uh, it's one of, the, one of the top five chapters in the Bible. If you, if you haven't read it, read it before the Super Bowl. Uh, I was musing on Facebook that if the Niners had won in overtime, I could wear my, my Isaiah 53 jersey from the 49ers. And, uh, and, but, but probably I'll get to next year. Uh, but then I was thinking there might not be a next year. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I just ended it with, or maybe this year. And then the response was overwhelming. I had three people tell me I should wear it. And, uh, <laughs> and I went, yeah, that's got to be God. Three is a holy number. Yeah. Would you stand with me? Oh, by the way, uh, t- uh, this Friday, Lamplighters open Sense and Sensibility. And uh, you, you, let, me, let me ask you this. You guys, you do know what happens Tuesday next. What? Yeah, yeah, I, I, Valentine's Day. And I know it's a, it's a pagan holiday and all that business, but let me just tell you, if you forget about it, there's going to be some pagan breakout in your house. <laughs> and and uh, uh, Sense and Sensibility would be a wonderful, wonderful date night for that. And also I've been told that if anybody would be interested and willing to work in the house uh, as an usher, uh, they really need help with that. So just see a, a lamplighter person afterwards and they'll turn you on to that. We're going we're gonna to read a very familiar passage of scripture from Genesis together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And we're also going to read, oh, I don't know, maybe Galatians 3.3. 3. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by human effort? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the presence and the power and the reality of the Holy Spirit. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be real to each one that's here. And even those who don't know him would begin to experience and feel and understand things that they've never experienced and felt and understood before. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Part two, Holy Spirit Mythbusters. Last week we uh, talked about the Holy Spirit as a person. And he is. What kind of person is he? Well, he's God. That's definitely one of the kinds of persons that he is. So whatever kind of person God is, that's what the Holy Spirit is. Uh, I've had people mention to me, say things, I don't know that I, I, I don't get this Trinity thing. I don't, I don't quite understand it. I mean, that's just, uh, that's just inconceivable to me, three in, in one. And my answer to that is, so what? If you're a man, you don't even understand women. And if you're a woman, you don't understand men. (laughs) How about it? Yeah. So what makes you think you can understand God? I mean, 
when you get right down to it, his name, you're a very complex creation. You're a very complex person. Uh, no matter how simple you think you are, you have between 10 and 50 trillion cells in your body. Somebody count it. I read this a week that on one square inch of your skin, you've got 32 million bacteria. How about that, germaphobes? Germaphobes? <laughs> germaphobes. Okay, let's just not tell anybody that I made that word up, okay? <laughs> a lot of them are good germs, though. Yeah. Bacteria. They don't like to be called germs. Your brain can hold five times the information that's contained in the Encyclopedia Britannica. Not saying that it does. I'm just saying that it can. You have a unique set of fingerprints. You have a unique tongue print. You know that? That's kind of gross. You have approximately 100,000 hair follicles on your head. And I say approximately (laughs) because that's an average. And some people skew the curve one way or the other. And this God that we serve, if you, you've got, there are approximately 7 billion people on the earth, 7 billion, 100,000 hair follicles. That means that there are approximately 7 times 10 to the 14th power hair follicles in the world, and God knows every one of them. Now, can you conceive of that? Probably not. You probably can't conceive of never sleeping probably can't conceive of never dying you probably can't conceive of never thirsting and yet all of those things are going to happen as well so the fact that we can't conceive of the trinity is not really that big a deal we believe and the trinity is seen from the very get-go the very beginning in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth there was this creator now the earth was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the waters and then god said let there be light the word of god went forward in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning through him all things were created that word is jesus christ and so all all of them are are there immediately the holy spirit is God, and this is very important, but I want to, I want to, I want to prove it from Scripture before I move into to why it is important. There are at least five major reasons. Each of the, and this is one of them, each of the major distinctively divine attributes is ascribed to the Holy Spirit. What's a distinctively divine attribute? Well, e- eternal. The Holy Spirit is eternal, everlasting. Hebrews 9, 14. And by the way, there's a ton of scriptures today they're all written excuse me on the back of that uh, uh, outline that you have but uh, if you got your bible or if you got your digital device that contains a bible in it then i would encourage you to to get with it and and look at this stuff today because there's going to be a bunch of them hebrews 9 14 how much more then will the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to god cleanse our, our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. 
eternal spirit. You may go, well, I've got an eternal soul, don't I? I, I've got a soul that'll never die. Angels, they, they don't die. They're eternal, right? No, no, no. They aren't going to die, and your soul's not going to die, but they aren't eternal, and neither are you, because you weren't there, and they weren't there in the beginning. The Holy Spirit is eternal. It was there from the beginning. Uh, another distinctively divine attribute is omnipresence. Omni is a, that, that prefix, omni, is a is a, a Latin word. It means all, omnipresent, everywhere. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Holy Spirit, like the Father and the Son, are everywhere. Say, the Son is everywhere? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter where you are, you ask Jesus to come into your heart, and guess what? He'll do it. You can be on the moon. He'll come into your heart. Omniscient, omniscience, uh, all-knowing, 1 Corinthians 2 10 and 11, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Everything that Jehovah God knows, the Spirit of Jehovah God knows as well. He also knows about those 7 times 10 to the 14th power hair follicles. John 14, 26, Jesus says... But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I said to you. Teach you about all things, he said. I've mentioned before that when I sit down to read the Bible, almost invariably I'll preface it with a prayer. And it'll be a prayer asking the Holy Spirit to come and help me understand what it is that I'm getting ready to read. And he does. Sometimes I'm paying better attention than I am at other times, but, but he does. He, he responds to that prayer. But you know what? It works with math books. Works with Shakespeare. I, I think it works with all things. That's what I said here. If you'll just acknowledge him and ask for his help and say, will you come help me with this? Because Jesus didn't say that, that he will, he, he didn't say that, he will teach you all religious things. Say to teach you all things. John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He is omniscient. He's also omnipotent, omnipotent, all-powerful. Zechariah 4, 6. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. This mountain shall be removed. There is a force that is stronger than just might and power. Micah 3.8 But as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord, with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression. When Mary was told, when she said, how can this be? How can I, how can I uh, give birth to 
the Son of God when I've never known a man. And she was told that the Holy Ghost will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. When the Holy Ghost comes, He brings power. And so Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Also, the Holy Spirit is God because three distinctly divine works are ascribed to the Holy Spirit. Works that only the divine can do. And the first is creation. We, we, we saw his presence there, the beginning of, uh, of the Bible in Genesis 2, chapter 1, verse 2. Job 33, 4 says, the Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Psalm 104.30, David says, he's speaking of all creatures, all creations. He says, when you send your spirit, they are created. And renew, you renew the face of the ground. The spirit also is attributed with the giving of life. Over in Genesis 2.7, probably familiar with this passage, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life And the man became a living being. He said, well, where's the spirit there? Well, you know that word breathed. It's ruah. We we sing occasionally a song that involves that ruah. Breathe over us, breath of God. And what it's talking about is it's talking about the life force, the vitality that, that is in everything that is alive. But the word also literally means spirit and literally means breath. God's breath is God's spirit. And that's what entered into man. And caused him to be a living creature. Romans 8, 11, just as that spirit came and made us physically a living creature, he also makes us alive in the spirit. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Jesus said in John six sixty three, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. He's also attributed with the divine authorship of, of, of prophecy. He's the author of divine prophecy. Second Samuel 20, actually it's uh, 23 verses 2 and 3. I've got that wrong up there, but just pretend like, well, it's what I said it was. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The Spirit of the Lord is the God of Israel. Second Peter 1.21 For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We uh, we tend to think of prophecy as being something about the future, foretelling the future. You will will meet a tall, dark, handsome stranger who will give you lots of money. (laughs) Flee from him. That's not prophecy. That's fortune-telling. Prophecy literally is the word of God, the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Sometimes it concerns the future. Sometimes it concerns the past. Sometimes prophetic word comes along to remind you of something God has done or something God said to you earlier. But also the prophetic word can concern the, the present. And very often that's, that's the most powerful form of prophecy. And, and And part of the concept that we have of prophecy is, I think, sort of what I grew up with in the church was if you had a a prophetic word from the Lord, that that the way that you gave that prophetic word was 
you'd stand up and begin uh, speaking in the congregation, uh, usually either prefacing it with, thus saith the Lord, or, oh, my children. One, one, of those, one of those things would be the start of it. Now, I'm not saying that that can't be prophetic. That can be. But that's, that's, the, that's just the tiny little tip of the iceberg. Because my, my concept of prophetic has grown over the years as I have seen it in operation, as I've seen people deliver prophetic words to one another when nobody said, oh, my children, or thus saith the Lord, and really probably didn't have an idea that God was necessarily even speaking through them. And yet he was. I mean, most of the prophecy that takes place in this church doesn't take place in this room. Most of it takes place out there in the hallways and the foyers. Darlene Robinson uh, had a liver transplant yesterday. And those of you who, uh, who know her and know that situation know that that's, you know, that's big. That, that's just really big. That's huge. Praise God. Uh, I spoke with her on Friday on the phone. And I usually, I'll, I'll usually call her once a week and just check up and see how things are going. And uh, she, was, she was doing okay, but she was going, you know, I... Uh, uh, they, they've, they've knocked me down from third on the liver list to fourth on the liver list now. Because somebody came along who was sicker than me. And, you know, I said, well, you know, Darlene, that's, that's uh, you know, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound good. But truth of the matter is, God can do anything. God can do anything. And, and so you just got to trust in him. And, you know, we've talked about, well, quite frankly, we've talked about dying. Because I think that's important, you know. Uh, the scripture says, and I believe what the scripture says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of, of pastoring in such a way that people in the congregation that came up under my ministry face death afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. There really isn't. You know, that, 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 it's just a doorway in, in the glory. So we've talked about that, but you know, God can do anything, darling. You know, so you don't have to worry about this, this liver thing. When it's time, it'll be time. And Friday night, they called, and it was time. But, you know, I, I, don't, you know, I wasn't thinking, well, I'm speaking from God, and I, and I know that, that she also spoke to another member of the church here who actually was a little bit more forceful than that about what God could do and when he could do. But I know that as soon as she heard it, as soon as I said it to her, her whole attitude changed. Her whole countenance changed, and she went, you know, that's right, boy, that, that, that's a word of encouragement, and, and, I'm, and I'm just feeling so much more. You could hear it in her voice that she was feeling so much more encouraged. That, that is the prophetic word that we can speak to each other from time to time. I, I mean, seriously, I, I'm, I'm talking about this is God speaking through you. He'll give you the right word to give to the right person at the right time. And that's prophecy. Anyway, the Holy Spirit is the author of divine prophecy. That was a bunny trail, but, but it, was, it was a needed one. Uh, there are also statements which distinctly bear the name of the Lord in the Old Testament that are applied to the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Let me, uh, that may sound a little confusing, but let me give you one. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8 through 10. So the call of Isaiah when he saw the Lord in the temple and, and the train of his robe filled the temple and the seraphs were crying, holy, 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 and the, the threshold of the temple was shaking and all this stuff was going on. It says this, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, 
whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell these people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Now, one of the things that you need to understand, this is the voice of the Lord speaking. When you see in your Bible, or it has Lord in capitals, all capitals, L-O-R-D, like that, that's the same thing as Jehovah. They, they could just as well write Jehovah. Uh, Jehovah is a, is a transliteration for Yahweh, which really is a transliteration for, for four letters that you can't pronounce. It's the name of God. But when you see Lord, what he's literally saying is there, Jehovah said this. However, over in Acts 28, verses 25 through 27, Paul references that particular scripture. And he says, The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and tell them, Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Uh, uh, Isaiah said, Jehovah said it. Paul said, The Holy Spirit said it. They're both right. Because the Holy Spirit is God. Now very quickly, uh, John, just to be sure that the, the Trinity is brought into this, John 14, 12, 41 says that uh, the reason why Isaiah said this was because he, it was Jesus' glory that he saw. Exodus 16, 12, uh, talking about the, the wanderings of the, of, the, of the children of Israel in the wilderness says this, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Say so when, when, you, when you saw these signs and everything, you didn't believe, you grumbled against Jehovah. And yet Hebrews 3, 9 through 7 says, the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did. They tried Jehovah, they tried the Holy Spirit. They're both God. The name of the Holy Spirit is coupled with God in a way that would be blasphemous for a finite, non-divine being. 1 Corinthians 12, 4, 4 through 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. In this case, it's not capital letters. It's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God. There's Jehovah at work. 2 Corinthians uh, 13, 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And then Matthew 28, 19. We've heard it several times today. Uh, going and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's not in the name of the Father and of the Son and and Bruce. Not in the name of the Father and the Son and Paul. It's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit is called God. Acts chapter 5, verses 3 through 4. We read it last week. It's talking about Ananias and Sapphira. And Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit but then he goes on and says, you have not just lied to human beings, but to God. So he calls the Holy Spirit God. If the Holy Spirit is God, then he must have the qualities of God. And, and he does. God is love. 1 John 4, 8 tells us God is love. We read the verse last week, Romans 15, 3, 
It says, I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. God is light, 1 John 1, 5. In him there is no darkness at all. John 8, 12, Jesus spoke and said that I am the light of the world. So there's two of the Trinity. Matthew 5, 14, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Well, wait a minute, we're not part of the Trinity. So how could we possibly be the light of the world? Well, perhaps when the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells us, then we become the light of the world as well. And here's the one that I really want to get to. God is unchanging. Malachi 3, 6, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. There's the Father. Hebrews 3, 18, passage of Scripture a lot of you are familiar with. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. There's the Son. If they're unchanging, the Holy Spirit also must be unchanging. That doesn't mean that they always do the same things in the same way. It means that their purpose, it means that their nature is is constant. And also, they don't show favoritism at all. Over in Acts 10.34, Peter began to speak and he said, I now realize how true it is that God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, does not show favoritism. Therefore, Everything the Holy Spirit did in Acts is available today. Everything that he did. The only verse I've ever heard used to deny the present day work of the Holy Spirit, the only passage of Scripture, is in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 through 10, where it says this, Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues... They will be stilled. For there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. The idea being that the completeness was the completed canon of the New Testament and therefore all those things that we saw like prophecy and and tongues and stuff happening in Acts, we don't need anymore. And the first time somebody told me that, I, I, I thought they were having me on. I thought, somebody taught you that? <laughs> you think that's what that means? Actually, it was a girl, and, uh, I, and, I, and I think she kind of had this thing for me because uh, I like, used to be handsome. And, uh, and, and she, uh, but, but she was, a, and, I, and once I'd gotten saved, she was very excited about that. But, uh, you know, I got the wrong kind of saved because I was, like this uh, over in this holy ghost crowd and we were speaking in tongues and stuff and she was in this crowd that wasn't doing things so she called me one friday night uh no one one sunday night she had just been to church and she was so excited because she now could prove to me that the holy spirit doesn't do this anymore i went you are a crazy woman does is does it strike you know it says here it's talking about prophecy ceasing and and tongues ceasing where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Does it, is it, does it strike anyone else as ironic uh, that people would build schools to teach that knowledge has passed away? I find that a little confusing. The completeness 
that is being spoken of here is not the completion of the New Testament. The completeness is when we see Him. John says, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know this, that when we see Him, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We will be transformed into His likeness. There will be no need for someone to come along and bring you, thus saith the Lord, when you're standing in front of the Lord and you can hear the word directly from Him. There will be no need for tongues when everybody knows every language. You know, I don't know if there's going to be one language in heaven or if there's going to be all of them. Doesn't matter. I just know that I'm going to understand it. And I'll be able to speak it. So who, who needs tongues then? There, there will, you know, I, and as far as knowledge ceasing, it says we will know as we are known. I don't even know what that means. But it sounds important. I think it means that I won't be going to school anymore. And neither will anybody else. That's the completion. That's the thing that's going to happen. And speaking of the acts, the manifestations of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit, when, Paul, when Peter got up to preach on the day of Pentecost, he said, in the last days, he said, what you're seeing here, these, these manifestations that you're seeing happen here, this isn't something that's just happening in the flesh. These aren't a bunch of crazy people. These aren't people who got drunk. You're seeing the fulfillment of prophecy. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Huh. All people. I wonder who's excluded from that. Probably nobody. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. In what days? In the last days. Well, if 2,000 years ago was the last days, what are these? The post-last days? The after the last days? When did days quit happening and nobody told me? He furthermore goes on to say, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. You know, oftentimes you look at people say, well, our church is like the, the, the New Testament church. We, we want to be a New Testament church. The earmark, the sign of New Testament Christianity was the power and activity of the Holy Spirit happening among the people of God. And we've, we've, we've kind of gotten to a place, Galatians 3, 3, anybody? We've kind of gotten to a place where we get saved, we get water baptized, and then we just kind of go tooling along going, I think I, can, I think I can take it from here. But of course we can't. Because the Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. Jesus also said, do you know that Jesus said, apart from me you can do nothing. Nothing at all. And so as we, as we go through life, as we're, as, we're, as we're out there rubbing shoulders with the world and involved in the world, there's, there is this presence, there is this power that you have access to as a believer in Jesus Christ there, there, is this, there is this power inside of you that can do anything, anything whatsoever. Things that, things that you can't even think of. 
say, well, you know, we don't really need miracles anymore. Well, of course we don't. We have medicine. We have cars. We have airplanes. We have computers. Who needs miracles when you've got all that? Somebody in trouble. Somebody that, that medicine can't help. Somebody that needs to get somewhere a lot quicker than a car or an airplane can get them there. You know, I mean, we, and God still does those things. Bruce, in his testimony, you know, where he was talking about being uh, baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues and, and, and the guy asking him after the service, you know, do you speak Hebrew? <laughs> no, I do not. Well, you just, you just quoted the 53, you just quoted Isaiah 53, and, and my Jewish friend who came with me says, that guy's speaking Hebrew, and he's quoting Isaiah 53. Was that a sign for that guy? You think, maybe? Of course it was. Now, that's not the only, that's not the only use for tongues. We're gonna, we'll, we'll get into talking about that later on in some other services. But I'm just saying, God still does this stuff, people. I mean, he still, he still moves mountains. He still raises the dead. He still heals the sick. He still does everything that he ever did in the book of Acts, and it's available for you. And the myth is that he doesn't do it anymore. That's, that's the myth that needs busting. It's the most exciting thing in the world to be a spirit-filled believer and, and, and walk into every day realizing anything can happen today. Absolutely anything can happen today. I'm not talking about getting your woo-woo on. Seriously. I mean, I think very often sometimes getting the woo-woo on gets in the way of the... In fact, let me tell you what. That's it for this week. Next week, Mythbusters, real or not real? That's next week. Would you stand with me? With those who are going to pray for people, come down front. And with those who need prayer... Come down front. God, God heals broken hearts. He puts shattered minds back together. He can heal broken bodies. He can heal fractured relationships. He can, he can, do, he can provide. He's Jehovah Jireh. He can provide where, where needs are. If you got something that you, that's, that's too big for you, or maybe you got something that you think you're big enough to handle, but, I mean, seriously, look at wh- how well you've done with it so far. You come. You come. They'd like to minister to you. The Holy Spirit is here. He will move. He will do things in your life. If you don't need to come, worship. We want His presence. We need His presence. Pour out your spirit, Lord, upon your people. Pour out your spirit, Lord, upon your people. Pour out your spirit. We need your spirit. Pour out your spirit on your Pour out your spirit, pour out your spirit, Lord, upon your people. 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 Pour out your spir
Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent his son into the world to save us who sent his spirit into the world to empower us so that we might be his witnesses and so that we might do his bidding and so that we might make him known in all the earth may you know the reality of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life and the reality of his power in Jesus Christ our Lord Amen Amen Amen. Mm-hmm. 